Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 46 of the Haskin Cast podcast. I'm your host, Scott Haskin. Very excited that you're listening, and I appreciate you taking the time to check out the show. We've got a great guest for we. It's I. I have a great guest for you today, uh, Tatiana Davidoff, who I met when I was living in California uh, at one of the red carpet events that I went to. She was uh, a photographer there, which is a pretty big deal. Uh you know, that, that process is pretty crazy. We talk about that in the show. And I think uh, Summer and I uh, talked about that when she was on as well. Uh, it, you know, it's a very uh, specific process and, and it's very quick and there's flashes going on everywhere and you're trying to listen to people talk to you and shout and then you're trying to listen to the photographer direct you and uh, it's a lot going on. And so it's a pretty big deal to be one of the photographers at those events to be trusted to take pictures of uh, things that people are going to want to remember, just like it would be your wedding photographer. Um, but these are people that, uh, you know, have publicists, uh, certain things have to be approved. So it's a pretty uh, sticky situation, I would imagine, and uh, for a photographer anyway. And uh, so we talk a little bit about that. But she's not just a photographer, she's a writer. And uh, she's written some very lovely things. She's had uh, some of her photographs published, put into magazines. Same with her photographs. Uh, she's done really well there. And she also does uh, PR for artists. Uh, she's very selective about who she takes on, but she's got uh, some really good ones. And we talk about that as well during the show. Um, so what's going on here? Let's see. In uh, Nevada, we are warming up to summer. All of a sudden, we went from uh, hoodies to please don't make me wear clothes in about three days. And uh, it's really weird now uh, doing the podcast. I hadn't really thought that much about it because I started the podcast in October and uh, it's been, you know, reasonably cool and seasonable the whole time. And now, of course, it's getting hot. So uh, like right now, it's uh, after nine o'clock when I'm recording this because it's just kind of cooled down to the point where I could turn off the the fans and the air and, and all that. And then they made the mistake of starting a pot of coffee right before I sat down to record this. And of course, then I had to shut the door because of the coffee pot percolating. And now it's even warmer in here. So uh, obviously, I'm not thinking in the best mode of efficiency tonight, but that's okay. Uh, I, I think I do the majority of the time, or at least I'd like to think so. Uh, so coming up now, this being episode 46, we're rounding out to our first uh, kind of milestone that people pick, which is episode 50. I kind of figured I would make it this far, but at the same point, it's like, holy cow, I'm coming up on 50 episodes and people are still listening which is awesome. And more people are listening every week, which is great. Uh, definitely appreciate uh, people investing in it and taking a chance because you're trading uh, anything else you could be listening to, you're trading to listen to this. And that means uh, the world to me. So thank you very much. Uh, glad that uh, it's been interesting, or at least maybe you're just seeing the bio line for this episode and going, hey, I want to check that out. That guest sounds interesting. Or, oh, I really like this this uh, thing that they were involved in. I want to hear about it. So uh, whatever brought you here, wherever you're sitting here listening uh, to me Babylon, I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you very much. Thanks for all the uh, feedback and the emails and everything that come in. If you have any questions, any comments, feel free to write me anytime, scott at scotthaskin.com. I, uh, I handle that exclusively. There's no one, uh, no secretary or assistant or anybody that uh, manages that inbox. So that's uh, all me, 100% me on the replies. And I uh, just do them as I can get to them. So I uh, got a lot of great things coming up. Um, I'm in talks with a lot of different people to do episodes. A lot of it really comes down to scheduling. 
Um, when I recorded uh, Tatiana yesterday, I actually recorded another friend who he and I have been trying to coordinate for, I, I want to say, at least three months of a time where we were both available at the same time. Um, that's been a real challenge is really the, the scheduling. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it works out when it works out. And when it doesn't, I just think it's not meant to be at that time and try to find somebody who's available, who's on my list. Because I have a very long list of people I would love to have on the show. Um, it really comes down a lot of times to scheduling. And sometimes people have to cancel at the last minute because they got a pickup gig. And I totally respect that. But I'm kind of left with, now what do I do? And that was the case last week uh, when I had two guests that were supposed to come on and both of them had to cancel at the last minute. And I thought, you know, this is a perfect time to uh, warm up with the Stranger Things idea that I had. So that was why that uh, episode was released last week. But it's also good timing because it's kind of a warm up for the 4th of July. We're now a month away from the release of the show. I'm curious to see. I think, it, I, like I said, if I remember right, I think they just released the whole show. And, uh, of course, then you binge watch it in like a day and a half and then you feel empty for another 364 days or 363 days. Uh, you just go with it, you know, and then there'll be other things that'll come out in the fall that'll kind of fill up that time. I don't really watch a lot of shows. Most of the shows that I've watched have ended and I'm doing the best I can not to pick up anything else. Um, when I'm doing marketing or when I'm doing, uh, you know, my budgeting or my, my books for the month, I'll tend to throw something on, but I don't really watch it necessarily. It's just kind of on and fills up the room from silence. And, um, I don't like to listen to music when I'm working on a music project. So, uh, I tend to just put on some YouTube or something on Netflix and just kind of let it go. But, uh, anyway, uh, so that was, uh, kind of a fun thing to do. And I hope you guys enjoy the shows coming up that I'll be doing. Uh, if I am right and they release the whole series at once, um, I'm going to try to be as quick as I can with the episodes. Um, I'm also working on the haunted holidays album. I've hit another snag, uh, with the addicted album, that is actually going to be a problem for a couple of other projects. So I'm trying to figure out uh, what to do with that. And uh, once I do that, then I'll be able to go back on track with those albums. The artwork uh, for Addicted is done. Kelly did an absolutely amazing job. I love it. It's beautiful. Cannot wait to share that with you. But I want to do that closer to uh, you know the uh, buildup for the release date for that. In the meantime... The Haunted Holidays 3 album is mostly done. I'm just adding in some layering and sound effects to uh, thicken things up a bit. Because I think when I did it, uh, I was happy with it at the time. And then when I went back and listened to it, I thought it's just, it's too thin sounding. It needs a little bit more and uh, it needs to be a little more interesting. Because I realized uh, trying to work around the dialogue, I was a bit repetitive on this uh, particular album. So I'm going to be reworking a few things, but it will definitely be released in October uh, the vo uh, all the voice lines and everything are recorded and edited uh, in position where I want them to be. So now I'm just kind of building up the musical side of things, and then we'll go on to the mixing and mastering phase, hopefully sometime in July. Um, before we start the show, I've got an actually uh, pretty interesting concert summer schedule this year. Uh, I'm not really big into going to concerts because I don't like to be away for three or four hours not working in the studio. But, you know, there's some bands that are coming through that uh, I really want to see. And uh, I've got Asia with Yes and Carl Palmer's uh, uh, ELP experience. Uh, really, really looking forward to seeing that. I saw Carl uh, a couple years ago here with that band, and they were phenomenal. Just a three-piece, not even a keyboard player. And uh, but, but the two guys definitely compensate for the lack of keyboards. 
Uh, also going to see uh, Uriah Heep. We'll be playing with Judas Priest. That will be awesome. I've never seen Judas Priest. Not a huge fan of Judas Priest. Nothing against him. I've just never really gotten into him. Uh, I remember I saw, I think it was the first show or one of the first shows that he did as a solo artist uh, when he had his band Fight after he had left Judas Priest, Rob Halford. And uh, my friend Travis, uh, who was on the show earlier, his band opened for them in Denver. So that was kind of neat to uh, go see Travis play and and open for kind of a known act. That was a pretty big deal. Uh, That's always a big deal. But when you're in your early 20s, that's uh, super cool. So... um, There's those two shows, and then Lost 80s Live is going to be coming back in September to Nevada. There are 16 bands this year. They play uh, just off of Fremont Street at this wonderful outdoor uh, arena, and uh, some of the bands will be returning. I know that Missing Persons will be back. A Flock of Seagulls will be back. Uh, Berlin is not listed this year, which is a bit of a disappointment, but Tommy Two-Tone will be there. Bow Wow Wow will be returning to uh, perform I Want Candy. It's really weird because back then, um, a lot of times there was just a keyboardist and a drummer, or I'm sorry, a keyboardist and a vocalist, and everything else is sampled. So there really isn't a lot of energy on stage, uh, except for the vocalist kind of dancing around or maybe the keyboard player. But uh, there's there's not a lot of unity because it's just one or two musicians. So it's a really weird thing. And then you'll have a band come up that's a full band, maybe three or four keyboard players and a drummer. Uh, it, and it's just such an odd dynamic, the way that music was performed in the 80s. I, I always assumed that the studio work was done the way it was, and then they actually just had players that came out live. But I guess that really wasn't the case. And so these bands are performing the way that they performed back then. So it's really a visually interesting dynamic. Uh, but there's often meet and greets, and I uh, definitely want to take advantage of that this year, which I did not do last year. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. And then, of course... Uh, Deep Purple will be coming back to town here in September as well. Um, I'm really looking forward to that show. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be fantastic. Every time that I've seen them, it's been a, a great show. And even when the venue hasn't been great, like I, I didn't really care for the venue I saw them at in Laughlin. Um, it felt like an old airport hangar that just had no decent acoustics. And uh, all the chairs were just on the floor. There were no tiers or any risers. So um it, it just kind of stretched on for a while. So it was a really weird dynamic. The sound wasn't good, but you can still appreciate what the band does if you're enjoying the music and you can get past the sound. Even as an audio engineer, um, I find it difficult to just kind of let go and enjoy the music because I keep thinking you should do this and you should do that because I'm kind of ridiculous in that world at times. Uh, but anyway, it's going to be a great concert schedule. Who knows what else will pop up in the meantime? I've seen a lot of other shows that uh, don't really know that I'll have the time to see or they aren't necessarily as important as these other shows. Uh, Greg German, who is one of my earlier guests on the podcast, is going to be coming through. He's still touring with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and they're going to be hitting, I think, the Smith Center here in, I want to say, July. I think they're in California now or were recently in California. I don't know their exact schedule, but uh, if you haven't seen them, if they're coming through your town, take a, take a couple of hours and go see that. From what I've heard, it's an absolutely fantastic show. I know the drums are solid because I know Greg and I know the quality that uh, he plays as, but uh, it's supposed to be a really fantastic show. So if you haven't seen it and you get the chance, uh, please do go. So that's uh, pretty much everything that's happening here. Let's bring on our guest Tatiana and learn about web design and red carpet photography and writing and what it's like to be a a PR agent. And uh, she has all those things to talk to us about. So here she is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and welcome Tatiana onto the show. Tatiana, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing fantastic today, and thank you for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. You know, I uh, I appreciate you taking out some time because you have so many different things going on that I imagine you don't have a lot of free time. <laughs> Sounds like it, but that's how I like it. Well, yeah, and I think that most creative people really prefer it that way. You know, people tell us all the time, oh, you need to t- take a vacation, you need to take a rest. But a-, a lot of times I feel like what I do isn't really work. How do you feel? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, when you have so many things on your plate and when you're trying to be as, cre- as creative as-, as you want to be, then it has to be structured, actually. So I'm trying to plan my day ahead of time and allocate time for a reason that. And at the end of it, at the end of the day, all it counts, what actually did you produce and how did you spend your time? Because if you can think, it's, I believe, 168 hours a week. So if you will jot it down how many hours you deduct from it, from your sleep, for your sleep, for checking your social media, for eating, for sitting in the traffic, how many hours left, which actually you're utilizing to be creative and produce something, and how many hours you lose. So that's, a good that's point. what I count at the end of the day. I like that. And, and I've been trying this new time blocking technique because I have, uh, much like you, I have a lot of different things that I'm working on. And I'm trying to do this thing where, okay, from 8 to 10, I'm going to do this. From 10 to 10, 15, I'm going to do that. And if I can stick to it, I find that it works. But also, sometimes as a creative, you just get in a zone and you really shouldn't stop what you're doing just because the alarm went off. If you're if you're going and you're in a good place, I kind of feel like it, it needs to be a little more flowing. Then you keep going. Yeah. Then you keep going. Right. But then it throws off the exactly. schedule for everything else and it kind of puts me back to where I was before I started time blocking. Exactly. Yeah. Time blocking is a good phrase, actually. Right. I possibly will use it myself now. Time blocking. Well, since you do so many different things, let's start off with the one that you were doing when you and I met uh, back in 2015 when I was living in California. You were working as a photographer at one of the red carpet events, and you're still doing photography yes. to this day. What kind of stuff are you working on now? Well... Actually, right now, I finally feel that I'm ready to have my very own, very first photography show this year. Congratulations. So I'm in the process. Thank you. I am in the process of uh, finding great pieces because I would like to... um, I'm good at portraits. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, oh gosh, 20 years ago... I used to do portraits with colored pencils. Hmm. And actually that, because I never, when I was raising kids and everything, I never had time to sit down and do it. That's why I kind of started um, experimenting with a camera. I was doing photography for, I don't know, last 25 to 30 years. And um, I like black and white, black and white photography because it's timeless. Yes. And... I can talk about photography for hours, <laughs> which I'm not going to do it now, but right. um, to me, the main thing in photography, it's not just to point, snap, and shoot. It's more like seizing the moment. Mm-hmm. I have pretty good 
vision of what I want to catch. I always try to make my subject talk to me. And when I see that moment, I always try to visualize the eyes. And I always want to capture something in the eyes. So when the portrait is created, and let's say when it's going to be displayed somewhere on the wall or any other place, I don't want people just walk by, look and go on. I want the, I want them to look, stop, and think, because it's all in the eyes. It's just that magic moment. Mm-hmm. As they say, the picture, the one picture is worth more than a thousand words. It's absolute cliche, but sometimes it does work because it's all in the coordination between your well, the vision, your viewfinder on the camera, and your finger pressing on the shutter button at the right moment to capture something in the eyes, which will create, like, to freeze the moment. Something like that. I really love to create, especially black and white. Yeah, I I agree. I've always had um, an attraction to black and white photography because I think it's kind of like walking into a house that you're looking at buying. And if the house is already painted, you're kind of living in someone else's vision of what your world is going to be. But if you walk into a house and the house is pure white, you can get out of it what you get out of it. And you're less dictated to feel a certain thing. I think you can make it a more personal experience. And I think that's why I've always liked it. Definitely. But I would say that there are some things that obviously, if you're looking at, say, a rainbow, um, I'd rather see that in color. Yeah. Yeah. Is it that you go out and look in particular for what you want to shoot? Or is it that you go out and you see something and you shoot it? Both ways. Mm-hmm. Both ways. Sometimes I just go through the city and I have a lot of pictures of um, landscapes and I don't know, some curve uh, on the wall, whatever. Sometimes I like actually to take pictures of reflections on the walls, especially when it's rain. Last week there was lots of rain here in Los Angeles, so I was actually taking pictures of reflection of my own umbrella down on the cement in the puddle of water. Mm -hmm. It was kind of fun. So I don't know. I kind of like to see creative parts everywhere. I can look in the sand and see the picture of a face on the sand or something like that. Depends on how it's like, you know, how it's rolled and what kind of prints on the left and right. It can totally transpire something different. Yeah. And and I would imagine that as you're, you know, honed into your art, um, everything that you see, you see through the eyes of a photographer, like as a drummer, everywhere I go, whether it's someone's speech, or whether it's, you know, a a car moving by or something, I hear a rhythm in just about everything. I would imagine it's the same for you visually. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I like actually, as I mentioned before that I, I, I used to draw with colored pencils. Mm-hmm. Now I can do it through the Photoshop, so I don't need colored pencils in my hand, but I like to create, and I do sometimes create some imaginary um, paintings through the Photoshop, and it's kind of a combination of uh, different mediums. There. It's, it's great. I love it. It's kind of something which relaxes me. It gives me moments of 
Yeah. And it's a very personal experience too, because it's your yeah. eye that's, that's attracted to something and saying, this is a moment I want to capture. There's something about this that I think needs to be memorialized. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Now, do you prefer, uh, you do a lot of portraits, but is there other kind of photography that you prefer like nature or buildings or anything like that? Uh, portraits, that would be the thing. I, I like other kinds of stuff, but my true thing is portraits. Mm-hmm. And specifically portraits where I can capture something, some specific message, some specific stare, some specific gaze in the eyes. I always aim for the eyes. And the, let's put it this way. I like to evoke certain emotion in a person mm-hmm. to be able to capture it. Like if it would be an old, I, I have a portrait of my mother when she was looking at herself in the mirror mm. and she had extremely sad. I asked her to remember something from her past. So I was aiming not at her face, but at her reflection in the mirror while the the backside of her face was visible still in my viewfinder. So the ready-to-look picture, the produced picture, you can see that the woman staring at her own reflections. Hmm. But the, the eyes from the mirror were looking in my viewfinder. It's kind of a tricky way to do, but I'm glad that I did it. Yeah, that sounds interesting because you're getting the expression of the person looking into themselves, which is the most reflective and introspective thing that we can do. Exactly. I like that concept. Yeah. And uh, is this now, so the gallery uh, showing that you're planning on doing, so obviously that's going to be mostly portraits. Are you looking for things that evoke a particular emotion or is it just going to be things that really stand out to you over of what you've done over the years? Um, probably more what was standing out to me, and I already have a, a preliminary preliminary title for it. It would be called most likely in the moment mm. because that was the moment when whatever we were talking about evoked some specific emotions, which was captured. Sure, yeah, and I will try to um to do only black and white portraits. Oh, okay. That should be really interesting. Yeah, I hope so. Having having no colorization um, is really going to make everything kind of stand out and pop and really make people get in touch with what they feel when they see the picture. Exactly. Yeah. So I hope it will be good. I'm sure it will. Um do you get concerned with the clothing that people wear when they when you do the portraits, or is it really just more about the expression and the clothing is not as important? Um, clothing is not that important, though. If we have scheduled photoshoot, we discuss what they will be wearing because I will always discuss what is the point, why they want me to do this or that. Well, I'm not talking about red carpets right now. Right. It's totally different. It's sure. more like a photojournalism rather than creation. It's, it's too different. Uh, red carpets is more of a business part of the photography. Though sometimes I can capture good uh, shots, uh, which I can use for my other work right. on those red carpets too. But if it's a private photo shoot, um, we will discuss the clothing. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes clothing won't matter because especially if it's going to be black and white. And actually, you gave me an idea. I'm going to probably put, um, include the picture of how it was created. Oh. I had a friend who was, um, who was sitting in some public place. And I just told him the way I wanted him to keep his hands around the face and everything. And I did a snapshot of him with my uh, Samsung 9 Galaxy, which is absolutely great for photography as well. And then I filtered out everything uh, and I converted to black and white. And it's just his face with the hands popping to his cheek. And he's kind of like thinking, and you can think like he's thinking of something important in the past or whatever, or maybe he's dreaming, something like that. But everything else around me, I just blacked out. So it's just black and white face on a black background. I love this picture. And a lot of people love this picture too, whoever saw it. So. Oh, I'm sure. That sounds wonderful. Not really concerned about the day. Thank you about the depict, I mean, the, the clothing. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. And I, I like that process, the, the way that you filter everything out to really just make what you want show, what you want that yeah. connection to be for the viewer. Do, do you find that uh, if you were to convert to black and white without filtering it, would really take away from that direct connect, uh, connection of what you want to stand out? Actually, it enhances it. Mm-hmm. Because color somehow distracts your eyes and you are, your your eyes, your stare, your gaze, let's put it this way, is scattering or no, actually scanning the entire photograph mm-hmm. to absorb all colors which are there. Like all the rainbow colors are there. But when it's black and white, you concentrate right now on what's popping out. Mm-hmm. As a gaze, the eyes. Right. And it's it's very localized, you know. Exactly. But I think it's there's another facet to it, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but by doing that, you're also changing the depth perception of the picture. If you take a picture exactly. of a person and they're outside and you see the background, you get a certain sense of where they are. But when you do it in black and white and you take all that out, you're really isolating it. But it also isolates the person and the mood because you're not getting a perspective of where they are or what's going on in the environment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And if for whichever reason I need to keep this picture colorized, I always can blur out the um, the background and uh, really sharpen and focus on the face. And I know that there are a lot of debates uh, among uh, photographers and professionals about using the Photoshop. But you know what? There were times when there were no cars and then cars arrived and people were kind of debating whether or not cars are good things. And right now, look at us. We have all of us, we have cars to drive, right? Right, so right. The times of, yes, I understand that Ansel Adams, and I love the work of Ansel Adams, mm-hmm. and he was absolutely great at what he did. But right now, with all due respect, we live in modern times, and Photoshop, um, it's not substitute your craft, because if you are not talented, you won't even know what to do. Right. But it kind of broadens uh, the tools of the spectrum of what you can do mm-hmm. to convey your message of what you see to convey it to the viewers. 
Right. I agree. And I think that the the issue with most people with regards to Photoshop is creating things that aren't real. So if you were to take a picture, for example, of, of celebrity, and then you put them in a sex scene or you put or you you swap out their head with somebody else to to prevent uh, present like a naked picture of them or something that that they did not take or want released. I think that's a big issue uh, as far as the that's a butchery and that's that's a crime. That's a butchery and a crime. Right, but Photoshop gives us the ability to do that and make it look realistic. Oh, like, yeah. you know, my graphic artist that does my album covers, Kelly, uh, she uses that to create things that I want created because a lot of the stuff that I do uh, album cover wise is very fantasy. So, you know, I think it's great for stuff like that. But I think the real issue is creating things that never happened or, you know, just fixing somebody so that they're so perfect looking that it's not even realistic. Yeah. And I and I, I kind of agree with that. I think that it really creates a false sense of who someone is and the reality of them. Um, I think people should just be, you know, be proud of who you are. If you have a mole, you have a mole. If you, 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 yeah, have, exactly. a bump, you have a bump, you know. Um, it's about integrity. Exactly. It's all about integrity. But you talked about the background. And one thing that I've noticed, um, and, and I, we have a lot of art galleries here on the Strip. And I, I, when I walk by or sometimes I'll go in and I'll look at them and I see how they try to make everything clear, whether it's the stuff that's right in front of you or half a mile in the background. Everything has to be sharp, like these new 4D televisions um, where everything is sharp. And and it really just throws off the sense of balance and and the depth perception. Um, It's not something that I could say I really like. I agree with you. I agree with you. Sometimes you need to use your judgment because, well, it depends what kind of message you want to convey. Uh, Sometimes you keep it blur or make it blur on purpose depends on what you want right yeah not everything should be sharp like like in real life you know right yeah exactly and it makes me feel like i have superhero vision or something when exactly it just yeah and and it makes the pictures very uncomfortable for me because i shouldn't be able to see what i'm seeing in them yeah you know and it's worse if it's a movie because then you've got scrolling action and it really just I, I remember it was one of the hobbit movies that a friend of mine was showing me and uh it, it was the first time i had seen one of those televisions and i thought this just feels so awkward and wrong i don't understand how far away anyone is you don't really know where the danger is if you can't tell where the placement is of a person exactly in the visual field so that's really interesting i love that you uh that you're pursuing the black and white i think that 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 really for me is a winner thank you for sure so Let's let's move on and definitely keep us posted about the uh, the gallery showing because I, I definitely want to let people know about that, especially yeah. if you're in the L.A. area. Oh, it will be. I already have some gallery in mind and I hope that everything will will be perfect. I'm sure it will. And I'm definitely... our gallery and I will reveal the name later. But yeah, we are in talks right now. Excellent. Yeah. As we know from living in, in Los Angeles, um, you don't say anything until the contract is signed. And even then you don't say anything exactly. until you're allowed to. And uh, it can be exactly. pretty, uh, pretty tricky for those of us that have signed multi-million dollar non-disclosure deals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, did you did you like doing the red carpet stuff, the, the photography there? Because that's a different world completely. You know what? I'm really glad that I uh, glad that I had such a unique opportunity because it helped me to get my name out there mm-hmm. and meet absolutely incredible people. And um, I don't know. I, there are a lot of other 
friends of mine and college photographers who do um, a red carpet and probably they've done even bigger names than I did. But I still, it doesn't matter. It's each of us individual. And uh, I'm really glad that I was able to meet a lot of good people. And I had a lot of work which was published mm-hmm. and sold on the internet in different countries and everything. Um I would say one of the biggest events I've done, um, to me, maybe not one of the biggest, but to me it was one of the biggest events when I was part of the press corps for the event, which were, was memorializing um, Michael Jackson, uh, and actually his legacy. It was his handprint and footprint. Um, yeah, and unfortunately it was done after his departure. Right. Post-mortem, so there were three children who were trained to do um, the, uh, the the parish she did the, the imprint of the glove. Oh. It was interesting how that that his very famous studded studded glove was a wrap in saturn wrap, the kitchen saturn wrap, mm-hmm. and uh, she pressed her hand over it, and each of the boys uh, did the tissue imprint, mm-hmm. and then. Um, the girl, she was trained to be his signature because there was supposed to be a signature. Right. And all three kids were were allowed to put their own hand imprint next to it as a part of the legacy. So it was very interesting event. And I have a picture of Blanket looking straight in my viewfinder of my camera. So that picture was sold oh. in Italy, China, Germany, God knows where. So that was pretty interesting. And I met quite a good number of people on that event, which I photographed, like Smokey Robinson, Theodore Garrett, and we took even pictures together with her, and Justin Bieber, so that was quite a good event back in the day. Wow. Was this on the, the Hollywood Walk of Fame? It was in the Chinese, in front of Chinese yeah. theater. How, how did he not already have a star there? It seems like that would have happened decades ago. I'm not talking about the star, actually. Shame on me. I'm not even sure if he had star or not. But that was right in front of the Chinese Gunman Theater, where all stars put their imprint of their feet and hands. Right, yeah, yeah. In the cement. But that's the one I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Well, unfortunately, he, he was a genius in his own right. I absolutely admire mm-hmm. um, his music legacy and his absolutely incredible talent. But there was so much controversy around his name back in the day that somehow it didn't happen. Yeah. So I'm glad that at least it would happen. It happened for them. At least it, 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 yeah, eventually did, yeah. Because he, he was a giant. He was a musical giant, and he deserved to be remembered in the right way. Sure. Definitely. I'm so glad that you got to uh, be a part of that. And, uh, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, the, the events that you do, you can look at them as, oh, I'm getting to go do this red carpet event or I've been hired to do this or that. But the thing is, is that you your work, every shot that you take, every person that you meet can lead to more exactly. work. And, uh, you know, yeah. when you and I met exactly. and we were talking about this before the show, and I'm pretty sure it was at Eric Zuli's uh, kickoff tour for the uh, Stop the, the Nonsense. And I, I can't remember. I think so. Yeah, I can't remember the yeah. name of the venue. Um, I should know it because I'd been there a couple of times. But uh, that was such a great event. And uh, people, I think, yeah. kind of have a misconception as to what walking the red carpet actually is. And it's a yeah. it's a real stern process 
of mm. stand here, now take one step, now turn, now do this. It's not people walking through and photographers taking photos. There is an actual process to that. Yes, it is. And it's a moment of connection again. There's a bunch of photographers who are yelling at the same person, turn right or left or the shoulder, then here, then there. Mm -hmm. But still, the moment when you get attention as a person, again, you are able to consume the moment and create. You still can create and get the best moment. And that's while the photographer next to you is yelling at a different actor and the photographer next to them is yelling yeah, at a different exactly. actor. It's, it's, it's a loud uh, process. And, and there's so many flashes oh, yeah. going off that as someone like myself who's walked a few red carpets, it's really um, disorienting and, and almost blinding. And um, yeah. it's, it, the first time I did it, I was, I was terrified because, uh, you know, you, you want to look confident. You want to look like you know what you're doing, but you really don't. And then everyone just kind of guides you along the way. And as soon as they're yeah. done with you, they're done and they are on to the next person and you need to move. <laughs> you need to get to that next yeah, photographer, exactly. you know? And then of course at the end there's interviews and stuff like that. But but when they show it on TV, it looks very glamorous and, and very calm, but it's it's kind of chaotic. Um, especially yeah, if you're not used to it. Yeah. I just wanna wanted to mention that I I met a lot of different photographers and I would say that one of my the most favorite um, college photographers on red carpet would be Bob Davidadio because he's absolutely professional. He's likable, and everybody calls him Uncle Bob. And he's like his pictures are, are perfect. And sometimes, um, because besides photography, late, later years I started doing PR. Mm-hmm. So when I'm walking red carpet, sometimes I'm with my client, and Uncle Bob takes picture of me. <laughs> so I just yeah. wanted to say shout out to him and say that I really love. He was a person and um, in work as a photographer. I'm glad that you brought him up because Bob has taken my photo on more than one occasion. And he's always such a gracious and uh, and kind and thoughtful person. Uh, he He's one of those people that will kind of help you through that process. He'll help oh, guide yeah. you. And he, he's not uh, aggressive or anything like, like some of the people get. He's very patient, very calm, uh, really wants to bring the best out. And, and I love that yeah. about him. Uh, yeah, yeah, total and, um, kudos to Bob. What I actually happened my husband didn't tell him that yet because, well, as you mentioned before, because I do quite a few different <laughs> creative things, mm-hmm. I am planning to interview him for one for my blog. I will, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but <laughs> oh, good, I hope yeah. he won't mind when I'm planning to interview him for my blog. Right, yeah. That would be kind of fun. I, and I want to say Bob was at just about every red carpet event I went to. I think there might have yeah. been one or two. But I mean, there's so many in a night. You're, you can't be at all of them, but he's very good at that. Maybe he has a clone of himself because he's literally yeah. everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> so I really admire this guy. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. He, he's definitely somebody that I met that made me feel comfortable to be there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Was it through one of these events that you eventually got invited to be part of the L.A. City Guide? Um, no, uh, I have no idea how they uh, found me, a city guy or guide, or the website is called Voyage LA. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody called, uh, somebody named Mike called me four years ago, and they said that they did sort of like a scavenger search on internet, and they found me, found my website, and they were interested, interested to do an interview with me, so it was a very humbling experience. They sent me questions and had me type the answers, 
they chose 10 pictures from my website, which they will post it on their own. So that was pretty much interesting. Wow. I still have the link on my, uh, I believe I still have a link on my website, mm-hmm. a link to that interview. Actually, I'm, I'm making notes right now to double check that this link is still active. So it was very interesting. Was it a good experience? And I, Yes, because I never considered myself, you know, it was actually the very first time when somebody picked me out for interview, so that was very honoring moment and very interesting. So I'm really glad that I had such an opportunity to showcase my work. But that's the thing, I think, is if you're always putting work out there that you feel is good, that's worth uh, people connecting with, you never know who's going to connect with it. But if you just throw exactly. out everything you shoot, or you, you know, uh, unless unless you really uh, note it as this is an experimental shot, what do you guys think? Or or this is a demo version, what do you think? If you're putting out work as a as a release or for to be viewed by people, it you have to put out your best stuff all the time you, you, because everything yeah. that you do is going to be put under scrutiny. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get into your uh, your writing a little bit. You've been uh, you're starting you've recently started blogging, which is great. What what kind of stuff are you blogging about? Um, the it kind of started, but it's kind of interesting. Um, you know that English is my actually third language. Third. I was born. My my native tongue is Russian. I speak also Georgian because I'm from the Republic of Georgia. Huh. And 20 plus years ago, I came to the United States and I uh, learned English by watching Dallas series. Do you remember this TV show? Oh, that yeah. was my English classes. I never took any other classes. So later on, I took the best, like about seven, eight years ago, uh, somebody, I never met, but somebody said, like, why don't you show me if you can do English in college as, not as ESL, but as a native language. And I said, like, that. Mm-hmm. So I went to Pierce Community College, and uh, there was absolutely incredible teacher, Janine Brown, who challenged me to create writing. And I aced entire class, and that's how it all started. So I kind of discovered that, you know, what my, my father, he was a journalist, so probably I heard that Logan at his gym, the return proud of that I did. And um, I don't know, some one thing led to another. And um, I did a story from a very dear friend of mine and also my client, Rodney Ellen Brady. And that story was... I did that show on my blog. And then this story got picked up and republished by um, City to Country magazine, I believe, out of Texas. And uh, the same story got picked up and reposted by Hollywood Weekly magazine out of L.A. And um, one thing led to another, and then I did like about eight stories for that magazine about other people for, for Hollywood Weekly. Mm-hmm. And uh, currently, I am doing a few pieces here and there for Magic Image Hollywood magazine. So that's kind of interesting. And um, that's what led me to start new blog, which is called All the Shining Hollywood, then and the now. 
and we'll have that link in the show notes as well. But that's that's fantastic that people are really connecting with your with your work and wanting to share it with others because that's kind of I think the biggest challenge. And you know, I want to I want to talk to you about your PR in a minute, but um, I just wanted to mention something, if you don't mind, yeah. about the writing part. Mm-hmm. Um, two things actually that the blog always shining Hollywood that the purpose of it to shed some story light on some unknown facts uh, of big stars from the past and try to showcase um, new stars now who are here in the now. So that's the point. And um, the other little thing, probably it's too early to say, but let's see what's going to happen. I I do... um, uh, some creative uh, writing as well, and um, I had done a story about an old woman who was struggling with Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and trying to reclaim her past. And because I had such a positive review from different people who had read it, that they actually challenged me to submit the story to the New Yorker. Magazine. So I'm waiting. I'm under 90 days period of waiting. Hopefully they will accept it. If not, then I will. Then I have a couple of other blogs where I'm aiming to publish the story. We'll see what's going to happen, but it's been kind of interesting thing. I like writing, so we'll see what's going to happen. Well, that's great, and and kudos to you for following through on that because. If you don't submit, nothing's ever going to happen. If you do submit, at yeah. least you have a chance. And I, I think that, that people are so afraid of rejection or maybe they're afraid of success that they don't go for it. And you have to. If, if you're interested in becoming a writer or doing it on a more professional level, maybe than what you already are, you have to take those opportunities. Oh, you know what? Yes, it's it's relevant to any walk of life. Mm-hmm. If you don't ask for it, people cannot read your mind. Exactly. It 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 comes to your work. It comes to your relationship. You you comes to anything. You ask for what you want, and either you're gonna get it, you're gonna fight for it, or you're gonna let it go and move on. So it's 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 relevant. You need to be boldly and do what you think is right for you. Exactly. But do you think that people are more afraid of being rejected because art is such a personal thing? Or do you think that they're more afraid of being successful because then it makes them more responsible for better content, more content, um, following up? I would up? say both. Yeah. I would say both. People are afraid to get hurt. It's regardless of relationship or business. People are afraid to succeed and people are afraid to get hurt. People are so used. It's like you're, you're, you're tattered, battered, and probably withhold how should. Mm-hmm. You know that you need to replace them. But you're so comfortable with them. Your feet are so comfortable that you're afraid to break into your, your new shoes. Right. Because you still have those. It's the same thing. We talk about creating new stuff or why I'm not successful after this new venture, new business or whatever. What did you do for it? How did you fight for it? Did you believe in yourself? What's your support group? And you know how many times I've heard from my friends, oh, you already tried this and it didn't happen. So why are you trying it again? Because I will be trying just because it didn't happen. 
then now I need to analyze why did it happen. What did I do wrong then? And what do I know now? How can I do better? Mm-hmm. Because I am an entrepreneur. I cannot work in a job nine to five. Yeah. It's boring. Well, it's also kind of soul crushing when you're an artist. Soul crushing, yes. But do you, and, but then I think people, when they do finally venture out and do their first thing, if it doesn't work, they tend to say, oh, well, it wasn't meant to be, or I guess I can't compete or, or whatever. And they don't analyze it. They don't really look and do what you say. What did I do wrong? Or maybe what did I do right and put it in the wrong venue? Maybe this magazine wasn't the right place to submit, but maybe that submission is a good one. And I just submitted it to the wrong place. I mean, there's so many factors, but I think people are just yeah. so willing and, and eager to give up on themselves and really not push and fight for it. it. It really makes me sad because there's a lot of great stuff that we don't get to experience. Meanwhile, a lot of the stuff that's out there is not creative. It's um, a lot of repetitive stuff, but those are the exactly. people that are willing to fight. Exactly. It's my, my favorite. I have like two favorite phrases, phrases mm-hmm. which keep me going. One of them is from Kelly Clarkson's song, which not going to kill me, make me will make me stronger. Mm. That's absolutely day-to-day thing. Whenever I feel in doubt or hurt or any different emotions, I would always say this to myself, and it keeps me going. And the other one I really like, I usually say, throw me to the pack of wolves, and I will come back as their leader. Ooh. I'm very strong, you know, and I kind of like it, you know. That's really I empowering. Be vulnerable, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I like this stuff. I, I like well, motivate other people and motivate me. I, I don't, I'm not afraid. I don't know, it's cocky or not. I hope not too much. No, I'm not afraid when you say no. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I look at that as well. That's kind of one of the things that drives me, and even you know anybody that I ask to come on the show the worst that they're going to do is not respond at all. The second worst thing they can do is oh, say no. Oh, that would be rude. Right. But that happens. You know, I'll be in a conversation with somebody and we're having a nice little back and forth and I'll say, hey, would you be interested in coming on the podcast? And the conversation just stops and they disappear. And these are friends. You know, these, these are people that I know. And it's really disappointing to me. But at the same point, it, it, then I'm not going to waste my time, you know, pursuing them to come on the show. But, the, but those are the worst things that can happen. And if you can live with the worst things then anything else is going to be better. Exactly. But you know, sometimes people, I can't understand that. It's intimidating mm-hmm. to be on the show, to be on the microphone. I remember my very, very, very first time when I was being interviewed for internet television, um, I don't know, a good eight, nine years ago, mm-hmm. a good friend of mine who right now works for uh, Pasadena Media Center, Morris Dwayne Smith, he invited me to be on the show, and I was like, oh my God, Maurice, I've never done this. I'm going to be stumbling. I'm, and he goes like, Tatiana, relax. I'll guide you. You're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So I agreed to come to his show. And what do you know? He puts me together in the same segment with, um, oh my God, I read the guy. That's a shame. I can't remember. <laughs> he was a, he is great coach. Coach Bibi, Henry Bibi. Um, the, he is part of, um, you know, Wall of Fame and everything. And 
I felt really fine because Marit was really skillful at what he does, and he makes me feel relaxed and comfortable, and that tape is somewhere out there on the internet even now. Sure. <laughs> and later, I was bringing my clients to Marit in his show. It's nuclear popcorn. He's really great at what he does, so um, I'm happy to give a little shout-out to him. So that was my very first interview, but going back to what you are saying, it's intimidating to smoke in front of this mic. So I understand that. So don't take it hard from people who are saying no because they're just never done a good stuff. Well, and I'm okay with that. I, I can understand that, you know, the first time sure. that I was asked to be on the radio, the first time I did my uh, panel at Comic-Con and, and those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, they can be uh, overwhelming. But the, and, and I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with somebody telling me, no, they don't want to come on the show. The problem I have is when people are having a conversation, we're going back and forth and I ask them about the show and they just disappear. Tell me you tell yeah. me you don't. Just give me a no if, if you don't want to come on the show. Oh, don't yeah. just disappear yeah. from the conversation. Don't waste your time. Don't waste my time. Exactly. Yeah, I, right. I, I agree with you. Yeah, that's the one I have a hard time with. But let me just interject. You're doing great today. You're you're doing great on <laughs> you. with your answers and responses. So no worries. You're you're a seasoned pro now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Maurice, for that, right? There you thank you, Maurice. Yeah, you did great. Uh, so let's talk about the, uh, the, the, uh, representation work that you actually, before we do that, let's talk about the website design, because that's another very okay. important part of, of PR work. Um, when you're going to design a website for something, for someone, what is your approach on, on how you get to know them and how you find out what is the right website design for them to have? Okay. Okay, now we're going to my the most favorite subject. Oh, good. You will have to start me because I can talk forever about that. <laughs> um, how I got into this, it was very interesting. I built, I was searching how and where to build my own website for my photography work mm-hmm. about like eight, nine years ago. Then I stumbled up on Wix, W-I-X, Wix.com. Um. I built my own very own website, and I thought it was perfect. I loved it, and I did it myself and for free and everything. And a couple of years down the road, I felt like I did do not such a bad job because I was approached by rich people if I would be interested to be part of their pilot program, program to become a certified web design expert. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, let's see what's going on. So they trained me, they certified me, they advertised me among, among other <clears throat> web designers like myself. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of, I do a lot of freelance work for the week right now. For the last couple of years, I've been certified with them for four years now. And I get leads from them on a daily basis, which is great. Wow. They work on our continuous education. We, we have closed, um, Facebook group for the same nerdy website geeks like myself. Uh-huh. And let's say I'm building somebody's website and I get stumble up on something and I don't know how to do it. All I need to do is just pose the question and some Facebook friend from Japan or God knows from Mars or whatever uh, will get me help and answer within like next half an hour or so. So that's been really great. I love this. Because it's cloud-based program, they recently created their own um, language. You know that it's HTML. It's the programming language. It's 
which every uh, website person is using right now, webmaster is using to create websites. Mm-hmm. They created uh, some kind of mixture between HTML and JavaScript. It's called Quadrid Felix. Absolutely great. It can be used on the Analytics right now, but helps a lot. And I don't know. It's, I just love it. It's my thing. I love Wix. And it's easy. You can have any kind of website there for renting VRB or Airbnb type of uh, rooms or uh, for hotels or restaurants, takeouts for events, selling tickets showcasing um, upcoming work for anything. You, you name it, Wix can have it. And uh, I uh, I love the flexibility and I love the ability. I, I don't need um I don't need the template. What I do I create a designer um template and now we're going back to the question you actually asked me. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> that was, a great, I, that was uh, a great path, though, because it, it, it's, I love <laughs> the fact that, I, that they I, came to I you. I do remember, I do remember the original question. <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> but I, I love the fact that, that, that they came to you and, and said, hey, we really like what you've done with our, our software and we want you to be a part of our team. Well, no, no, no. Technically, I cannot say that I'm part of their team. I have disclaimer on my website. I do freelance work for them, but I'm not part of Wix. I'm independent. But yes, I'm authorized to say that I do freelance work for them. That's right. But no, I'm not working for the company. Well, no, but I, I meant more of like as the, as the beta testing part. I just needed to clear. I know, yeah. but I just need to clear life. Right. I'm like, this is going to stay... Yeah, it's forever. I need to clarify. I appreciate legally that. legalities of it. I need to clarify. Sure. So let's say I would be working. I would be creating a website for your podcast right now. I know that you have one, but let's say, for example, I would be working with you right now. Right. I would have a conversation with you. I would uh, figure out how do you see that website going? It should be absolutely classical and no boring. Or you want to have it modern, contemporary. So what kind of vision you have? I usually say to my prospective clients, do a search online and show me what you like. What kind of vision you have? Because literally, I don't need a template. I can start and create anything you want from the absolute stretch. Right. I was building, uh, as an example, I was building a website for uh, one of the martial arts gyms. And um, they actually uh, had interviewed several different webmasters, and they showed each of us uh, the prototype of a website they wanted to use, and they asked us to do a mock-up. So I got the bid because they liked the way I did mock-ups. So show me the, any kind of website you want, and I will be able to understand what exactly you like and uh, do without copyright infringement, legit variation, like like it's a cover for a song, right? Cover for a website, sure, something like that. You know, my, my musical background popping through here as well, right now. So this is great. That's that, and that makes sense because really the website should be a, a, a shining. Uh, Example of who that person is. It should have their personality. Exactly. What the website is like a driver license, or at least state ID. You cannot be without driver license. So if you're a business person, you have to have a um, 
your website done because otherwise nobody can take it seriously. Right. And if website, when I look at the website and how it's done, I practically can't say at this point when it was done. Five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Because of the look and because of the feel, because of the trends, what's trending now, so I don't know. And um, I need to say that, yes, I'm certified by Wix, but I can work with, I'm certified actually by GoDaddy as well. Uh-huh. And I can work with, um, I don't know, I didn't count, nine or ten different job builders. Wow. So doesn't have to be just Wix. I prefer Wix because they are the best. Right. Um, not just because I say so, but because with, with they can offer and trust me, they in the next few years they will overshadow you with pressing them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. People, thank you for understanding that. Mm-hmm. I can do WordPress as well, but the personal choice would be. Sure. My soulmate, which is my soulmate. <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate that. It, when you when you get yeah, comfortable sure. with something, and we have yeah. these arguments in music all the time. What's better, Pro Tools, Cubase, you know? And really, it's the tool that you're most comfortable with is the one that's the best. And uh, I, I think yeah. when it comes to website design, it's definitely there's so many components to it, and any one character in the programming that's out completely messes everything up. So it's wherever you're going yeah. to be the most efficient and comfortable, that's where you should go. Obviously. Um, I did Definitely. a little bit of website design. I used to, to do my own uh, back in the old days when I was with GoDaddy and I was just working with an HTML program and I got a crash course in HTML in about an hour. And it was just enough uh-huh. for me to be able to put a decent site together. Obviously, the, the kind of stuff that you're doing is well beyond the scope of what I was capable of or would even think of because it's not just the programming skills, it's the vision. Exactly. Exactly. So that's that's a very important thing. And then how important or how much do you work with the SEO side of it where you're working with like the search engine optimization? All the time. Yeah. All the time. All the time. All the time. SEO is very important to manage. Like it's a route you have to go because if you want to get yourself to be found, then you need to know how to put those special net attacks, your social share image, how to put those long key and short uh, long tail and short paid keywords, how to optimize your content, your images. There is a lot of things you need to do on that. If you wanna take a look at it, you always can go to my website which is buildyourwix.com. I was actually lucky that I was able to snatch that URL. How cool is that big buildyourwix.com. I was shocked. I, I just typed it as a search and it was available. And I was like, oh my God. When you uh, when you sent the link over, I, I just smiled because I thought, how lucky are you to have grabbed that? I mean, that you'd think exactly. that that would have been taken Build right your away. Wix. Yeah. Buildyourwix.com. I love it. And we'll have that link, of course, in the show notes as well. Um, so that kind of, uh, you know, segues a little bit into the PR side because you mentioned earlier um, you know, all these different places that have found your work and are are sharing it and, and licensing it. What's the trick to being found in this world of just a flood of content? How do you stand out so that people it's it, because it's not the quality of your work as much as just being found amongst all the other work? Oh, that's um true and tricky question. And the best possible answer for that would be you have to network, network, and network. Mm-hmm. 
no matter how good you are and what kind of awesome <clears throat> content you will throw in. And for a minute, as an example, I will go back to the photography issue. No matter what kind of pictures I will take and what kind of portraits and how good that they convey the subject of the portrait or whatever, if I will keep it only to myself on my computer and will never share it with anyone, right. nobody will find out about it. Then, again, it's um, how you share and what you share. It's no longer, you need to judge, and it comes sort of like social media um, spectrum here, because there are so many different platforms out there. Like, for example, LinkedIn and Alignable. Alignable, it's a um, alignable.com, where they are sort of like a... Uh, smaller scale version of um, mixture between LinkedIn and Facebook for the local business communities. And I love Alignable. I have a lot of heat from Alignable. So, but those two platforms, LinkedIn and Alignable, they're more for wordy platforms. You need to put in the blogs there, you need to follow questions there have people like sort of like a forum type of thing. Right. So that's one aspect of social media into networking. But then there are Instagram and Pinterest. And I'm absolutely falling in love with Pinterest lately because so they used to be about four or five years ago, they used to be like in Instagram only with pictures or also called pins. Right now, you can pin not just pictures, but you can pin uh, videos, blogs, yes. mm -hmm. everything. And I absolutely adore Pinterest. I mean, that's what I'm doing right now. My main thing going on Pinterest. Um, because I have, like, statistics shows, apparently, I have the most hits on Pinterest. Apparently, I have 851 um, viewers on average every month. Wow. Not not that that small amount, but not that big yet. So that means that there is room for employment. But again, it's it's about content. So the more and of course it's personal interaction. Right, and of course you know when people like your work, then they save your pin. Other people see that they're saving your pin, and then you can find exactly. more pins that way too. It, it, it's exactly. just a great organic uh, spread. And I'm a big believer in organic. Yeah, exactly organic. So I'm I'm looking into start. I need to. Um, Start investing a little bit more into page search too, and I'm, I think I'm gonna. I don't know. I will check it out. Which one will better, either Facebook or um, or Pinterest? But I obviously, but I I just want to see what the difference it's gonna make. Yeah. But definitely, I need to go to the page route as well, as well, because it targets the page route exactly who you want to see your. We are advertising, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm open to all new kinds of things. I definitely enjoy that avenue. I have a Pinterest as well, and um, I think I'm on everywhere, but the but like Snapchat and, and FaceTime and, and that. I'm not, yeah, I can't do not that. Neither. I, I'm not, you know, into that graphic, uh, you know, putting rabbit ears on myself and that sort of thing. But uh, I think Pinterest is great. And and uh, so when you're when you take on a new client as, to do PR for them. Is that part of the package? Do you set up all their different social media sites or review them and, and kind of steer them in the direction that they should be? I would say that um, PR is very 
fine, fine tuned work. And there are so many different aspects of that. And there are so many great names who are far above and beyond of what I can offer. I'm trying to be very humble here. Yeah, and, of um, of course, um, I would love just to mention three of my hand-picked clients who I like to devote my attention to. Sure. It's, of course, Rodney Allen Rapey. Mm -hmm. We all know people, people of a, a low and the, of mature generation, but I don't know if that's the right. 54, 50 and over. People who are 50 and over. Yes. They remember the face of um, Jack in the Box. Yes. And he, he, he started on the three. He, he became an overnight sensation, the national spokesman for the Jack in the Box back in the 70s. A lot, of, a lot of people don't know that he actually sang the song, which was released and ended up charting on the Billboard charts as well. That I, I did my research last year. The, the song was, um, and I actually um, I contacted the Billboard Records, and they sent me a confirmation and a written confirmation that not that he just not that just he came in on Billboard. Uh, that song, there's two new things which are not commonly known factor. Um, apparently, that track. Uh, that song, Take Life a Little Easier, is still on one hundred on the list of one hundred of the most popular songs in the last fifty years. Really? I never knew that. Uh, yeah, they 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 sent it to me. Wow. I wasn't prepared to say it right now, so I don't have it handy, but I can uh, later I can give you <clears throat> that reference because I don't want it to sound like I'm coming up with this story. Um and uh, uh, the other thing what I wanted to mention, uh, he is the youngest male artist ever in the United States performed who got himself on a billboard chart, so he is eligible for general traffic. No kidding. For that. And I also, last year, I spoke with people from Guinness Records, and um, in the future, we're going to work something out, and we're going to see what we can do to get him that certification. Because that would be really good, and she so deserves it. Oh yeah. Well, plus it just feels good to be recognized. He is doing. He he's still he's still in the industry. He does love some productions, producing and directing, and he has done a couple of um, episodes for two different um, web series last year. These two different producers. One of them is "What Holly Goes to Hollywood." Created by uh, very talented Alicia Hoffelt, mm -hmm. and uh, the other one was Kendall Lane, who were, which was uh, it's still work in progress. Um, that show by Elaine Ballet. Uh, she's also a client of mine, and she's absolutely talented uh, producer and director, and just very good person mm -hmm. to be friends with and to work with. It's called Misadventure of Campbell Lane, so she has done it. it it's not out there, it's in production, but it's just something to showcase his talent. Good. He's um, 
he's good at what he does. And also, I'm remembering right now, he, he, he does a lot of um, vocational work for the youth who need advantage years. Uh, and it's something which we should accommodate him for. So there are a lot of good things for me in works for Rodney, and I hope that in the future we're going to be able to shed light on that. And actually, I would love if you would be if you would be interested to talk to him. Oh yeah, I think he would be, he would be very interested to talk to you. He has a lot of stories too. Oh yeah, I'd love to. And you know, of course, I I remember him from from my childhood. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I definitely will put you two together. Oh good, yeah, thank you. Uh, growing up back east, Jack in the Box was a pretty predominant restaurant in our area, and uh, we didn't have one that was really close to us. But, you know, I, I lived where A&W was a regular restaurant, just like McDonald's or Burger King or, or Taco Bell. And yeah. In fact, we didn't have a Taco Bell until, uh, I don't remember what the year was, but it was it was somewhere probably in the, the early to mid-80s when we got our first one. Yeah. But uh, I remember seeing that Jack in the Box commercial every day. And I, yeah. I remember him from being in it. And then, of course, he was a guest star on a lot of uh, television shows during oh, the yeah. time, too. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he, uh, I, I, he factors into my life. That's wonderful. And he, he would love to hear that. Um, I actually built his website as well, by the way. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, real I'll, I'll send you the link, too. Oh, thank you, yeah. I'd love if you will. And we actually were able to find one of the very fine enthusiasts in Tennessee, who is an incredible um, collector of records, Scotty D. And he, uh, last year for Ronnie's birthday, he actually created a TV version of the entire album. So finally, we are, well, yeah, Ronnie has his original album, of course, but uh, it's vinyl record. So now we have that CD with all 11 tracks on it. So that was very wonderful thing to do. We're just hoping that maybe one of these days his doll will be reproduced again. You know that he had a doll, right? I do know that, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, he's he's really, he's not somebody who's been uh, incredibly in the spotlight over the years, but he's always been there. And I love yes. that he has sustained a career from that one gig. He's pretty much in the industry. Yeah. He's pretty much in the industry, and that's wonderful. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I love when people can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you said that uh, you you also uh, have Richard Ryan. Is that right? Richard Ryan, yes. <clears throat> Richard Ryan is uh, absolutely incredible, talented, multi-talented actor, director, producer he just uh, produced his um, full feature film called Out of the Deception and let me tell you when I was at the screening it was seven of us in the room and I forgot I totally forgot that it's a client it's a friend and I am just at the movie screening I was so in this movie I forgot where I was, and I was like, oh, my God, I hope that's going to happen. I hope he's going to get up all these dead guys and everything. <laughs> the movie is absolutely incredible. <clears throat> and I know that he recently, I believe he distributed it to China. Uh, so the trailer for his movie is on IMDb. And actually, I will send the trailer, too, because I would not mind 
Actually, I would not mind if you will speak to him as well because your your uh, listeners you your a lot, and I know that you're not going to run away from me. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Because <laughs> I'm so aggressive. See, I'm, I'm I'm talking to you, and I'm doing low PR for my clients as well. Exactly. And the point: the movie is absolutely incredible. And um, let me just tell you a little thing about it. Um, there are about a lot of different action movies and everything, but what was kind of close home to me, um, he was doing there a lot of, of course, it's action movies, so there was a lot of fighting and, you know, karate and martial arts stuff. I have two children who are black belt, two grown-up children who are black belt, and wow. because they were doing it for about, my gosh, almost 20 years, one enough, and I'm one of those martial arts mama. Right. I was with them from the age my son was seven when he started. My daughter was no, my son was about eight, and my daughter was six, something like that. But both are black belts. So that time, I actually like martial arts and MMA and uh, around it. So when I was watching Richard Ryan's movie, fighting scenes. I told him that he has done it very real because they didn't filter out that neighbor's breath. You know, in most movies, it's like, who ah! Mm-hmm. And it's also easy when they fight with each other, whatever. They even show that threat and what goes behind it and how actually tiring, exhausting that is. Mm-hmm. And Richard, Richard Ryan did it. In that movie, you see that it's not just like a cartoon thing. When you sometimes, actually, before I've seen that episode in his movie, it never occurred to me that that's exactly what is missing in so many other fighting scenes in the movie. Oh, yeah. Because it's not about that glamorous, uh, artsy kicks. It's actually hard because he's beating the guy and he's taking punches back. Right. So he is hurting, actually. So he was able to convey this, and we heard that labor's breath a little bit. It just hit the point. It just made it so much better, so much real. So I'm wishing Richard all the best. He is absolutely talented. The little yes. subtleties that people tend to forget about. And, you know, if you look at most uh, fight scenes in movies, whoever the hero is, they could be surrounded by people to fight but they're really only fighting one or two people at a time. Everyone else is just kind of standing there. And then it seems like if they get hit, they, it doesn't hurt them. They're fairly invincible. Um, it, it, I, exactly. I've not seen a lot of reality in a lot of the fight scenes in movies. See, and I'm, you're right. And I'm not degrading, of course. It's sure. wonderful how they do it. But when you have a new way to show something different, mm-hmm. something more in-depth, it just makes it so much real. Right. And so I, I think real. that's the thing is like, for me, I really like stuff that's real or, or has at least the believability of being real. And when I watch most of those scenes, um, they just don't seem real to me. So it's hard for me to exactly. identify with them, but I, I like that. I like when they take it to a, 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 you know, a more realistic level. That's great. Yeah. It's great. So at this point we don't have a, a American release date, right? They're still in, uh, in the works in that. No, not yet. Okay. But we're working on it. Absolutely. Definitely. But but I will send you the link, and it's, the link is done. Like you, you look at the little clip, you're gonna see entire script of the movie. How good it is! It's absolutely captivating. Excellent. Page turner. Good. Well, I I wish them the best of success on that, and I can't wait to check it out. 
Um, and then uh, Elaine Dallas. Yes. Elaine Dallas, uh, she is absolutely multi-talented, incredible uh, person, director, writer. She has done, like, if you will look at her on TV, she has a lot of credits there. And most important, she has something which makes you want to work with that woman. Mm. She takes care of you. She has her own vision. And uh, the web series she's working on right now, The Adventure of Kemper Lane, she's a great comedian as well. Okay. And she has a little dog, Oreo, who is part of that web series too. Mm -hmm. So I cannot say much, but watch out for this. It's going to be very interesting. The episode she did with Rodney uh, and... um, Johnny Whitaker. Do you remember Johnny Whitaker from back in the day? Oh, yeah. So they are all in that. And I'm good friends with Johnny Whitaker as well. She's mm-hmm. on Red Carpet. So the, the episode was absolutely funny. I wish I could be able to tell you more, but let's see. Soon the trailer is going to be ready, so we're going to be able to see it. Great. So I'm wishing her all the best. She, she is something to watch out for, and she, she's great. Well, that's, She's absolutely great, and I'm excited that um, I need to be able to sure. That's excellent. And I love that people are still creating new things, that people haven't given up thinking yeah, that it's all course. been done already. Because, it, yeah, a lot has been done. I'm sure there's things that haven't been done yet, but it's also about finding creative new ways to do old things. And yeah. I love that people are still out there, uh, you know, giving it a shot and putting themselves out there because it can be difficult like we were talking earlier to put yourself on the line and say, I'm willing to show myself. I'm scared of what the response is going to be, but I'm going to do it. You know, as I mentioned before, accident, there were times in my life when I was kind of pretty much aware of what people say and how people are going to look at it and pursue it. And it was not getting to me anywhere because I was, I would say, codependent on their opinion. Usually we right. use the word dependent towards a relationship, but I'm saying codependent on opinion of other friends. But after all, at the end of the day, they are not the one who pay my bill, or they are not the one who are going to make me happy or unhappy or actually support me during my happy or not, not so happy hours, right? Right, true. So, yeah, if you're a good friend of mine, what I would encourage you, like, if you think I'm doing something wrong, have a constructive conversation with me. Don't say like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Right. Tell yeah. me what you think is not so good and how, in your opinion, you would like to do better. And if it's worth my while, then probably I will learn from it. Sure. So that's how I look at it. But I don't, don't, uh, no, I would not say it would be very, very, um, probably cocky, ignorant to say that I don't care what people say. Yes, I do, but I try, I surround myself with positive people. Because right. if you don't see what I do and how and or actually why I do it, then you just can sit and watch whether or not I will succeed. But you don't get to be part of my support team. And I have great support team. I think that's it. I think the word support is important because you can... Yeah. You can just come out and say, hey, you shouldn't be posting that. Or you can come out and say, you know, I, th- I thought this post was interesting because does that really follow your brand? Or you can find a nice way to say the same thing that's going to be supportive and open up a dialogue versus 
if you're just going to yell at me, I'm probably going to shut down or ignore what you're saying because of your approach, you know, and and Mm -hmm. that's so important. But I think that, you know, I think artists, a lot of times what they're looking for is validation that the stuff that they're creating that they feel is good, that other people feel is good too. And I can understand there being that sort of codependency sort of uh, mentality because we want to know that the things that we enjoy that someone else does too. And a lot of times we don't find out. In fact, it's been through doing this show and doing some research for another project that I found out that there's a lot of people that listen to my music that I didn't know ever even listened and that they enjoy it. And some of them listen to like my relaxation stuff. They listen to it every night. I would have never known because no one reaches out and tells the artist. Mm -hmm. So it is nice. But, uh, you know, I think that, that the biggest challenge I have, and this is the, the last question I have for you is I, I feel like there's so many things that I have going on and so many projects within each of those channels that my biggest fear is not having enough time in the rest of my life exactly. to, to produce everything. Is that something that you experience with all your channels as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes, which is interesting, um, a friend of mine, she said, like, oh, you cannot advertise yourself that you're doing um, photography PR website and whatever else you're doing because people are going to start thinking of you that you are, um, what is it called? Um, Jack of all trades and master of none. Right. And I'm saying, oh, possibly some of them will, but maybe others will see that I am a really creative person and I have just different facets of my creative creativity, that's all. And how can I, I don't know, I kind of see the one from another. Yeah. Like just because I'm doing photography, I shouldn't be investing myself in writing. Right. No, it's just different channels uh, to channel my creativity. I hope I'm creative enough. Oh, I think so. But I think there's an advantage to having multiple outlets too, because if you're, let's say that you're working on a website, and you've spent a lot of hours on it. It's just, you're not quite finding exactly what you want for it. And it's starting to get frustrating. You can go out and work on a picture that, that you're doing. You can exactly. start doing the field. I mean, it's, it's nice to be able to have different things to bounce from because th- the train doesn't always run smoothly on the track for every project from beginning to end. There's going to be times it yeah. slows down or is low on fuel. And, you know, it's, it's good to be able to stay fresh and bounce back and forth. I find that as an advantage myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been such a pleasure to catch up with you. And I love all Absolutely. these different outlets you have. I'm I'm so excited for your gallery showing and for these new projects that are coming out. I, I admire the hell out of how hard you work and, and the quality of the things that you put into the world. I think you're doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It was quite an honor. And I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to get to chat with you and share with you my thoughts and get a little bit encouraging validation. That's quite an honor. Quite an honor. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And definitely, you know, keep us posted. Let us know when the gallery showing is and let us know when the release is. Absolutely. Out. Well, I will, hopefully, that would be the reason for you to come down here. There you go. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> You never know. That's right. You never know. Well, thank you, Tatiana. Enjoy the rest of your day. I wish you all the best. Thank Thank you. you. Bye-bye.
I really love that diversity to have so many different things that you can do. And uh, I, I feel very similar when I'm working on one project and things are getting stale or I'm not quite sure what to do next. It's nice to be able to take that creative energy because you still want to create something and just harness it and move it to something else. Uh, what a great time. I, I really adore uh, Tatiana and I'm really glad that she was able to uh, come on the show and uh, look forward to uh, some more stuff with her. We're going to talk to Rodney about coming on the show and some other people. So should be fun. But in the meantime, thank you for joining me for episode 46. Uh, please remember to, to uh, like the Facebook page and you'll be put in a drawing for the mental sauna flash drive that I give away every month. So have a great week and we'll see you next week with another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. 